Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unmuted Podcast. I'm your host, Bella Passi. Unmuted is a podcast where we host conversations on pressing issues in today's society, including things like social protest, Black Lives Matter, COVID, and integration. We will host interviews with a diverse group of students from the PLNU community. Unmuted focuses on topics that may be too exclusive to talk about and show that by having the conversation can contribute to these diverse times. For today's conversation, we will be discussing ableism, what it is, and how to have the conversation regarding it. And with me, I have two guest speakers, Aviana Ligris, who is the president for Delta Alpha Pi, and Bradley Clary, who is the vice president for Delta Alpha Pi. For those of you who aren't familiar with Delta Alpha Pi, it is an honor society club here at PLNU that supports and celebrates students with disabilities and to recognize their academic achievements. We're so excited to have Aviana and Bradley here with us today as they share their experiences and unpack what ableism is. The impact of systemic injustice is woven into our lives. Cup of Culture is a brand new program that is co-sponsored from the offices of Multicultural and International Student Services and the Center for Justice and Reconciliation. This monthly forum is centered around opening a dialogue space for community members of PLNU to engage in meaningful yet challenging conversations about diversity, inclusion, justice, and reconciliation and all that it entails. This forum seeks to challenge the PLNU community to explore our identity, understand the experiences of others, critically identify social systems of oppression, and to work towards living a more socially just life. If you haven't already done so, sign up by clicking on the link in the episode notes of the podcast for all other Cup of Culture events. Black Student Union and Break are collaborating to highlight female and people of color's voices through the sharing of literary and verbal works. This spoken word event is going to be Monday, September 21st, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Sign up in the PLNU Break Instagram bio to share your work. Well, welcome you guys. So excited to have you here. Um, I think it's going to be a great conversation today. Um, so to get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So, you know, the usual, your grade, your name, your major, and kind of why you're here. Yeah, I can start. Uh, my name is Aviana Legree. I'm a junior psychology major and writing minor, kind of focusing more on neuroscience and neuropsychology. Um, I am the president of Delta Alpha Pi. It's the mosaic uh, club and honor society here on campus that um, promotes positive awareness on disabilities and creates an inclusive environment for those who want to be educated on that community or those who are involved in that community as well. So um, yeah, it's a really great time and that's a little bit about me. Awesome, thank you. And my name is Bradley Clary, and I attend Point Loma Nazarene and am a senior teacher education major, and um, I'm the vice president of Delta Alpha Pi, and I love inclusion and disability and really have a passion for uh, for helping others and for just including others in all activities. Awesome. Thank you both. So 
I think we both know why we're here, right? Why we're talking. We're talking about ableism. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I feel like in terms of, you know, like all the issues that are going on in the world, like ableism and just like disabilities, people with disabilities gets overlooked a lot yeah. um, in a lot of the conversations we have, right? When we're talking about inclusion and diversity and things like that. Um, so I'm really excited to have this conversation with both of you and get to know a little bit more about what that really looks like, what that means. Um, but before we get started to start off a little bit, I wanted to provide the historical kind of context and background for, you know, how ableism was like, the term was coined, all of that stuff. So for sure. stick with me. It's a little bit of a history lesson we're gonna have right now, um, but then we gotta have a great conversation after. <laughs> so ableism is the discrimination of um, and social prejudice against people with disabilities based on the belief that typical abilities are superior. At its heart, ableism is rooted in the assumption that disabled people require fixing and defines people by their disability. Like racism and sexism, ableism classifies entire groups of people as less than and includes harmful stereotypes, misconceptions, and generalizations of people with disabilities. So this term came about in the 1960s. The term ableism evolved from the disabled people rights movements in America. The movement was intended to give all individuals with disabilities equal rights and opportunities. Section 504 and other sections of the Rehabit Rehabilitation Act of 1973 enacted into law certain civil penalties for failing to make public places comply with access codes known as the ADA access guidelines. So these laws prohibit direct discrimination against disabled people in government programs, employment, public transit, and public accommodations like stores and restaurants. So a little bit more about this act. Um, it replaces pre replaces pre-existing laws to extend and revise the authorization of grants to states for vocational rehabilitation services with special emphasis on services to those with the most severe disabilities to expand federal uh, special federal responsibilities and research and training programs with respect to individuals with disabilities to establish special responsibilities in the Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare for coordination of all programs with respect to individuals with disabilities within the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare and for other purposes. A lot of stuff, a lot of big words right there. Yeah. Um, so following that, the Americans with Disabilities Act, ADA, ensures access to the built environment for people with disabilities. The ADA standards establish design requirements for the construction and alteration of facilities subject to the law. These enforceable standards apply to places of public accommodation, commercial facilities, and state and local government facilities. Mm. So a lot to unpack right there. But even before we start having that um, discussion, I want you guys to just maybe be able to share a little bit about your disability um, and how it influences your life. So, you know, what are the specific challenges physically, socially, psychology that you um, encounter personally with your own disability? And, you know, explain to people who have no idea, like, what that looks like a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And, and thanks for providing that. I, I think that that's really good to just give a good idea of what disability means. And before I kind of explain my situation, I really want to say, I think the word disability just automatically says, oh, you're not able. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what dis means, like right. no and not able. And I think that the whole idea of separating those those two groups is just not okay. So. Um, 
I'll just tell my story, really, is kind of the way I'll go about this. So um, I will consider myself pretty hardworking. You know, I'm a pretty determined in my school, my personal life, and everything. And my story kind of starts around middle school-ish when um, I would spend hours, like college-type hours, on my schoolwork. And I, I would know the material really well. And my parents would know that. They'd test me. I'd be able to re regurgitate the information within, like, seconds. And um, when I would take tests in school, they would be multiple choice tests, you know, like how they are now. And I wouldn't get the grades that my knowledge kind of showed. I wouldn't reach the potential of what I thought I knew. And my teachers, I almost said professors because we're in college, mm -hmm. my teachers would, would notice that. And they pulled me aside, and I was in like, what, fifth grade, sixth grade. And they'd be like, Aviana, like, I thought you knew this. And I'd be like, oh, I do, I guess. And then they'd ask me verbally. They'd be like, hey, what's this, what's this, what's this? And I would answer, and I, I would get it right. Verbally, I just totally understood everything. Mm -hmm. And my, pe my teachers were really perplexed. And they told my parents about it. And they're like, this is really weird. They hated seeing me like struggle and work really, really hard in school and not get the grades that I, I deserved. So, you know, come high school, I was tested by a few neuropsychologists. And this lasted for a really long time. They really couldn't figure it out. But this is the part that's a little bit you know, difficult to explain to people because I don't really tell people this unless I really know them and I trust them, but this is, there's a reason for me to explain this and, and I know that there's a purpose. Um, so I'm just gonna be honest, the way that they replied to me, they're like, Iviana, um, did, you're like really, like you're smart. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I don't get good grades in school. I thought that being smart means you got straight A's, right? And I was like, I'm not like smart, like what the heck? And they'd be like, no, like Aviana, like we need to tell your parents about this. This is like a special situation. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I feel normal. And um, they told me I had ADHD, which I, a lot of people who aren't studying psychology probably know what ADHD is. I could probably ask a, a crowd and they'd be like, yeah, I know what that is. Um, in my case, I actually don't have ADHD. Um, my junior year of high school is when I found out that I'm twice exceptional, which is 0.5% um, of the population that has, um, who's gifted, has an extremely high IQ, um, that comes with some, some type of disability, some type of learning difference, whatever it is. And um, I don't really tell people about that because it's hard to tell people. They're like, oh, well, like, you're smart. Like, you're really mm. smart. Like, no, no, no. It, it, it's a difficult thing to, to describe because they don't really understand what comes with it. Um, so the things that I have are APD, VPD, audio processing disorder, visual processing disorder. My eyes are actually almost 20-20. My ears are totally fine. They're actually a little bit more sensitive than others because of just my, my brain. Mm -hmm. um, and basically what happens is my brain is working so hyperactively, that, which is why they thought I had ADHD, that I just need to focus directly on the things I'm doing and the people I'm talking to. So how this affects me and my personal life and my academic life is I look at people when they're talking to me, I can read their lips, I've gotten really good at that. I've told my professors about it, Point Loma is really great about this, closed captioning and, and videos, all of that. So, so I've worked with, with what I have and I'm able to use my weaknesses and my strengths to my advantage and I will say it took a lot of struggle to get here. I, the, where I'm at right now definitely took a lot of work. I still work really hard in school and I'm thankful that the things I'm learning is what I'm passionate about. So, so I will say in high school it was, it was more of a struggle because they came up to me and they're like, Aviana, like 
you're you're gifted, you're bright, you're whatever. You don't you don't need accommodations. You don't need to test in a different environment. You don't need that. So I can get into that later and some other questions we have here, but just kind of wanted to give a, a good idea of what I experience and how, you know, in my case, it is very invisible. Like I said, people only know unless I tell them. And I know that I learned from other people's experiences and their perceptions of life. And hopefully I can be an advocate for those who can't say, mm -hmm. those who can't speak up about something that they, they, they experience. So that's me. Awesome. That's about my, yeah. my life. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that, first yeah. of all. Um, and there's so many things you said that I think are so interesting and I want to dive into more. Of course. Yeah. Um, but first, yes. Bradley, if you can share a little bit about yourself and, mm -hmm. you know, everything going on. Yeah. Thanks, Aviana, for, uh, for sharing that story with us. It was really helpful um, in understanding uh, who you are and the disability that you have and um, how it defines you as a person, kind of. Um, but, uh, yeah, so my disability, uh, so I actually had a stroke in utero, which in addition to causing seizures, it also caused multiple learning problems such as visual-spatial issues, uh, auditory glitches, and, um, and other processing issues. And so by auditory glitches, I simply mean like if you say th three things completely unrelated, like I might catch the first or the second or mm -hmm. both, mm -hmm. but then like I'll be like repeat that last thing for me one more time just because like I didn't quite catch that just because that's the way my brain works. And so I process things on a much slower level mm -hmm. than like the normal or average human being would. Um, and so it usually takes me longer than most people to do homework, to study for tests, to understand the learning material, whether it be in science, math, whatever subject. Um, and so my challenges are primarily related to brain functioning and um, and how it affects me in that way. So it may take me longer to do different aspects of my job at Chick-fil-A, whether it's in the drive-through, cashier, or just getting used to what they're trying to tell me. Um, and I also respond com uh, slower to conversational prompts, like if you ask me something, I may not have an answer right away, and teachers may know that, and they'll be like, oh, I'll come back to you and let you think about it. Or like if it's a, just in a normal conversation, like I might respond like slower than the average um, individual would. Awesome, thank you both. Um, I think you both brought up really interesting things in terms of how we view disabilities for people who aren't familiar with it. I think a lot of people view it as only visible. Exactly. So if you visibly see something with that person that's irregular, then that's like 
they have a disability, but we don't think about at all disabilities that you can't see, right? Or that what we society like typically associates with having disability or what's irregular behavior, which is versus what's regular behavior. Um, So going kind of going with that, then how do you do you guys classify from what you've encountered your disability as something that's invisible or visible? Um, And do you feel like that's impacted the way you are viewed or treated by others? Oh, yeah, for sure. Thank you for asking. Um, I I do agree that in general, like disability is seen as just visible and completely, you know, put in that box. Um, Like I said before, mine mine is pretty invisible. Um, It's something, like I said, I only tell people if I trust them, if I feel like they could get to know me better and understand that if they're in the other room and I can't hear them, it doesn't mean I'm ignoring them at all. Um, And and so I I think something to help people understand the differences and, and be able to recognize that is just not judging anyone by their cover, whether or not it is visible or, or not. If you seem like you're doing amazing with mental health, with anything that, you know, is invisible, there's a chance that people are going through something that you have nothing to know about. So that's kind of what I, I, I wanted to say about that. And the way that I feel like I'm viewed and treated, you know, sometimes people notice that I'm not in class when I'm taking the test. And they ask me about it. They're like, did you dip? Like, are you not in class today? Like, what's going on? And I'm like, and I'll tell them. I'll be like, you know what? I take the test in the DRC. It just kind of helps me focus because I can, you know, verbally read it out loud. And like I said, my whole thing is audio. It's a right. lot more helpful to talk through things and listen to them like that for me. Um, and so basically just that, you know, treating people with with what they have. I think that judgment should go as far as, the way people act and how much they're willing to reach their potential. I think the problem is not that people shouldn't be judged, but they should be judged on their actions Mm. and the people they are like inside instead of judged by the things that they can't control. I can't control, you know, how fast my brain works or how many things I'm thinking about at once and how I got to look at you when I'm talking or use that. But I can control what I use with it and how I can reach my potential. And and like, for example, I know this isn't part of the question, but I want to be a neuropsychologist. I want to be a doctor. And the reason why is because I have inside experience from a patient point of view of, hey, I was missed diagnosed for something and I'm someone who's so rare and I'm so so blessed to have that I wouldn't change for the world I wouldn't want to change for the world but I want to impact the neural field in the way that you know they've impacted me and so I think that everyone has an equal potential and that's what ableism is to me is that you know you just use what you have so um and I want to I want to also say something because when we're talking about ableism, we're talking about like in the terms of it's defined the same way, I guess, as like you would use it in terms of like sexism yeah. or racism, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like what you said there about like don't judge me on things I can't control like exactly. that because yep. I think something that people and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think a thing that happens a lot is people in terms of how they view people with disabilities, they connect like their disability to being their that person's whole identity, right? Like you are your disability. Oh yeah. When 
I feel like we need to separate that and be like, no, I'm not my disability, right? My disability is part of my identity and how it's made me approach life differently, right? It's taught me like how to overcome obstacles probably in a different way than you have had to. Um, and that's who my, that's my identity, right? Is like the resilience of that and just viewing life differently. But my disability itself, that's not who I am. Yeah. Um, well said. Yeah. Very <laughs> Thank you. Well said. Yes. <laughs> um, but I think that's like a misconception that people don't even realize that they like unconsciously do oh, yeah. in their brain all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Bradley, um, what about you in terms of, do you like when you, do you view your disability as something that's visible or invisible to others? And have you seen, um, that impact the way you're treated at all by other people? Um, yeah, well, the first thing I want to mention before I dive into that is that, um, I want to make it clear that disability does not mean inability it's just um a difference so to speak because like everyone learns differently or functions differently and does life differently definitely so that being said um because my disability is mainly focused on like processing and auditory glitches and visual spatial issues. It's more invisible than it is visible. Like teachers will pick up on it maybe if you know they ask me a question and I can't think of it mm-hmm. off of the top of my head and I can't give them a response. Um, but for the most part, I really don't tell people like explicitly that I have a disability until like they get to know me on a personal level. Uh, But I don't necessarily think or I can't conclusively say that if I had a disability that was more prevalent, like Mm -hmm. say a physical disability or something like that, that um that I would be treated in a bad way right. because like the people here on Point Lomas campus and like the Christian environment I grew up in it was like all loving all inclusive so I was treated very well that's so amazing but so but if a stranger came up and like my disability was more prevalent than other disabilities, I'm not sure that I would be treated bad Mm -hmm. just because of the negative stigma that is often associated Mm. with disability and how we view it in our culture and in our society today. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I really like what you said in terms of disability isn't... Inability. Yes. Which... That is such a misconception, I think, that people have. Um, and I'm, I love how you said that. Um, so moving then with that, for people who are, I don't know, unfamiliar with ableism, right? Um, how would you describe it in your own words? Um, and have you guys encountered people who have been able ableistic i don't know if that's the right <laughs> yeah, so, is that the right uh, terminology I guess that's the right term but I mean, yeah have you experienced that you know at all 
Yeah. Um, so, you know, for people who are unfamiliar with it, I honestly, in my own words, I would describe it as what you, I know this is basically saying the same thing, but what you are able to do, really. Because like I said before, everyone is different. Like genuinely, every single person does not have the same brain. Mm -hmm. Every single person doesn't have the same body, whatever, you know, it would, would affect. But we all have strengths and, and um, weaknesses. And I think that it, it really is how far you're willing to reach your own potential. Because if you're going to take you know, quote unquote, I, I use quotes here, able people and not able people. If you're really going to put them in two different groups, mm -hmm. the people who are considered to, again, quote unquote, be able, a lot of them don't even reach their potential. Mm. Like they don't even use the strengths that they have in comparison to others to even get there. And people who are, again, I use quotes in the not able community, can go even further. And I'm not saying particular people, but in general, I think that that really happens. Yeah. And that's why I don't think there should be that label. I think just as, like, as you were saying before, disability shouldn't be someone's entire identity. And so I, I agree with that because to not separate people would give every person the chance to reach their own potential. And yeah, we have different weaknesses, different strengths than others. And, and I think knowing yourself mm -hmm. as much as you possibly can, like I'm so glad that I found out all these things to better like, you know, like know myself and reach my potential as much as I can. Now I can, I can get there. Before I was like, oh, I mean, I like to talk about deep stuff and I really, really like school. I'm a total nerd and um, sometimes tests are hard. Like that's all I knew before. And now I can be like, hey, I can like take a test somewhere else, read it out loud, kind of get in my zone and, and fully reach my potential. So I really think that ableism is being able and potential. Really, that's, that's how I see it. So, so yeah. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Aviana. Yeah. That's uh, really helpful. Um, so I would define ableism maybe a little differently. Uh, I would define it as the discrimination in favor of people without disabilities. Um, and so it's this false idea that disabled people are inferior when in reality their disability just makes them different or unique in the sense that like it creates diversity. Um, and so, yeah, I mean the world would be kind of boring if we didn't have diversity um, and people like were just the same personality with the same characteristics and the same qualities. Yeah. And so some examples of ableism that I've encountered like on a regular basis um, are using slurs, like disability slurs, mm -hmm. uh, just in casual conversation, mm -hmm. like the word retard or the phrases are you deaf or mm -hmm. that's lame just because of the way like it may offend people with disabilities and if you have a certain disability and those words or phrases are used in 
conversation, that can actually really hurt or offend uh, people with disabilities. Understandably. Mm -hmm. And so, again, it's frustrating and harmful, not just to other people maybe, but also for me because like, I still struggle with my disability in the sense that like, I still live with it, it's still part of me, um, and it really hurts me when other people like try to use demeaning phrases or mm -hmm. stuff like that um, to like put down people with disabilities or like insult them. And they may not even know that they're doing it, but, uh, but I think that's where we need to step in and kind of educate them about what ableism is and acceptable language when talking about disability. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for sharing that. And I think, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I just remembered. If I could, I, I, I forgot the last part of that question was to say if you experienced anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to answer. No, yeah, go for it. Um, you know, first of all, thank you, Bradley, for sharing that. I'm so sorry that people, that's not okay at all. And that's why we're having this mm -hmm. discussion, to say that that's not okay. For me, in my situation, you know, as I'm advocating for, you know, the invisible, you know, experiences that people have, and um, I've actually been told before, like a few years ago, um, when I was like doing class and stuff and I was hanging out with some people, I've been told like, oh, you don't really have a disability, do you? Like, you're really smart, but like, it's not really that bad. Like, you don't like struggle or anything. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you get good grades. Like, and I'm like, uh, and I didn't know what to say. Mm -hmm. I genuinely was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, am I supposed to say yes and be like, oh yeah, I, this is a thing. Or should I just be like, oh no, like it's fine. Then play it off. But then that would be, mm -hmm. you know, agreeing with him that that's something not to validate. I don't know. I, I just, I just thought that yeah, and being, it, being told that wasn't the best, but, and, well, and it wasn't even, probably wasn't even intentional to hurt, mm -hmm. but it still kind of didn't feel too good. Yeah. Right. And I think what you said too, even if it's unintentional, the education aspect of mm -hmm. letting them know, hey, this isn't okay to say. Exactly. Um, and I think even like what you were feeling kind of is like this idea of like, well, what in your mind qualifies me as having a disability then? Like, what is it supposed to look like for you That's for me, like to have a disability and yeah. stuff kind of undermining who you are and what your disability means and stuff. Yeah. Um, and also going back to what you said, Bradley, um, I think something that's so interesting, too, is in the terms of, like, um, ableis ableism slurs, right, things like of that nature, I don't think, it's, it seems like it's a lot more normalized, right, right than other types of slurs and other, um, you know, other um, cultures and things like that and stuff that we've been talking about. Um, it's a lot more normalized, and I feel like of recently in the last, 10 to 15 years now it's becoming more like we're saying like hey actually that word's not okay to say and mm -hmm. stuff but it's sadly it feels like still like very far behind um as compared to like other things that we can deem as like hey you can't say that and stuff like this right. is still us trying to dic like dictate hey no this isn't an okay word to say and like let me explain how to why it's not okay um so i wanted to talk about a little bit after we've like heard your guys' stories, right, kind of have a better idea of who you are in terms of um, 
in terms of your relationship with disabilities, um, I wanted to talk about what that actually looks like in everyday life. So people who have no idea about any of this can like kind of better understand. So um, our researcher, Fernanda, kind of like researched, you know, some of the like ways ableism shows itself the most that people don't even probably realize. Um, so things like choosing an um, inaccessible venue for a meeting or an event um, and therefore excluding some participants, right? So choosing something where it's not, let's say, um, wheelchair safe, mm -hmm. right? Things like that. Um, making a movie that doesn't have audio description or closed captioning. Mm -hmm. So people who have um, a hearing um, impairment or things like that aren't able, yeah, or, or right, or like you, mm -hmm. exactly. If, um, so things like that. Um, and then asking invasive questions about the medical history or personal life of someone with a disability. Um, and assuming people who have a visible um, disability to be actually disabled. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things, I don't know if you guys have like felt those at different times or maybe you haven't felt those, but you've seen other people who um, have experienced them. Um, but kind of going with that, then we wanted to say, well, this actually happens, right? Like in everyday life. What's that look like then in terms of like employment and stuff? And Bradley, you maybe you can speak on this a little bit in terms of you had a job with Chick-fil-A and stuff like that. Um, but we wanted to say include that the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, so the EEOC, is responsible for enforcing federal laws that make it illegal to discriminate against a job applicant or an employee because of a person's race, color, religion, sex, um, including pregnancy, transgender status, sexual orientation, national origin, age, um, disability, or genetic information, and that law applies to all types of work situations, including hiring, firing, promotions, harassment, training, wages, and benefits. So saying that to say that there is protocols in place, right, to not discriminate, discriminate in terms of like hiring people with or with disabilities, but I think it would be naive of us to say that stops that and that doesn't happen at all still. Oh, of course, yeah. Um, so... I don't know, have you guys had any of those experiences kind of I've listed um, or even felt any type of experiences like that being interviewed or anything like that? Is there anything that jumped out to you? Um, I will say for me personally, um, like socially, it doesn't really like come out in right. that way. Um, and so I haven't experienced anything like discriminatory, like getting a job or um, like going anywhere in social gatherings. Um, I mean, things that have like affected me, I guess, like um, like if a music was really loud in an area, I kind of would have to step away for a little, if it was like really, really loud, cause I'm kind of sensitive mm -hmm. to that stuff. It's fine for yeah. a while. But it just kind of gets tiring, you know. Um, but in general, I, I don't really like to go. I mean, I go to the movie theaters, not anymore because of COVID. Mm -hmm. But I've noticed more recently that I would prefer watching TV at home because I can have the closed captioning. It's just like a more comfortable setting. Like Definitely. I can still understand. Like I can watch a movie without it. Totally fine. Mm -hmm. Just it's a lot easier for me to be like oh yeah that if I miss that that's what they said right. it, it's just more of like hey like it's fine so then when I would go to the movie theaters and like people were talking and it just was like really distracting I wouldn't really enjoy the movie as much and I know that that's not like discriminatory or anything like that it's just something 
in my own experience that I've, that's as far as yeah. I've come to experience it. Um, but yeah, so that's just kind of my yeah. thing. So. Thank you. Bradley, what about you? Have you been like, oh, I relate to that at all? Or any, you're like, oh, not so much. Um, yeah, well, I've definitely seen like at sporting events, especially like limited or no access to like ramps for people with wheelchairs. Mm -hmm. And also um, places that illegally um, exclude service animals mm -hmm. uh, is often like maybe a big problem because a person may have like an emotional disorder and not yeah. be able to like have that therapy dog or whatever the animal may be with them. Um, and also places that uh, don't have elevator access for mm -hmm. people with, uh, with wheelchairs maybe. But I, so I've definitely seen these um, manifested at public places, but in terms of like my experience, like when I was interviewed for my job at Chick-fil-A, uh, I don't remember answering any questions about like, do you have a disability? Although I do think that like, especially for fast food restaurants, like if you were mute or if you were deaf, that, that would limit your, uh, your capability of what you're able to do, mm -hmm. perhaps. But again, so it, it, they would be, according to the law, like they're not supposed to do that, but again, like they're, they're a business, so they have to operate in the maximum yeah. way that like help, helps them earn money. Uh, so, so I could imagine that scenario maybe. But um, other than that, I haven't really experienced it on a personal level. But one other thing I did want to mention, and I think you covered this as well, was that to the outside world and to the people without disabilities, like they often see disability as something that needs to be fixed mm. rather than like, just a different way of learning or just a different way of being and living. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to get rid of that um, negative stigma because it's harmful to not only the disability community, but also like in terms of educating others as to what is and is not acceptable to think or associate with people with uh, disabilities. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think, think this idea of like difference is bad, eradicating that idea, right? And that it's not better or worse, it's just different and that's okay. And um, that can be a lesson that I think can be applied to so many mm -hmm. different aspects of what we encounter in life. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think this idea of, I don't need to be fixed, I'm just, I don't work the same way you do, but you mm -hmm. also don't work the same way other people do. Mm -hmm. And like, no one is better or worse than each other. It's just, we do things different ways, which I think valuing difference is so important because 
I feel like it would we would hate it if everybody was exactly the same. We all thought and processed and did things the same way. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I think difference, yeah, difference isn't bad. It's just, it's different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so you guys are both college students, right? Yes. You are both on the board um, of Delta Alpha Pi, which is a honor society um, that, you know, works, that is designated for like students with disabilities. Um, So I wanted to bring this back a little bit to what disabilities looks like, you know, on college campuses and how I don't think a lot of people even realize like people who like people have disabilities and what kind of disabilities there are when you're sitting in classrooms with people and things like that, you might not even realize. Mm -hmm. So we have some statistics and this research was done. um, This was a study done um, by the Department of Education, National Center for Education Statistics. Also all of the information that we have that is done by our wonderful researcher, Fernanda, um, all of those links will be in our description. So if you want to check any of them out, you can click them right there. Um, but the most common disabilities reported among undergraduate students in private four-year U.S. colleges, which is what Point Loma is, mm-hmm. um, so 31% have learning disabilities, 18% have ADHD, 15% have psychiatric disabilities, 11% have health slash chronic disabilities, and 7% have mobility disabilities. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a lot more than people realize. It's a lot, it's normal, you know? It's not anything irregular at all. It's just you don't see it necessarily. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Yep. Um, so we've already touched on a lot of stuff um, that I don't feel like we need to re-go into, but... What I want to ask you guys kind of is having, this is a conversation that I think could be had for so many more hours and so much longer, um, but what can we do to recognize and avert ableism? Um, and I'm saying this, you know, in as individuals, as students, right? What can they do just in their daily life to be like, not, you know, to try to recognize it and invert it this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, first of all, those statistics, I am glad you brought them up because it really is more prevalent than you might think. Mm-hmm. And just because Bradley and I are here talking about it, we're not the only ones that kind of experience something differently than other people do. So, um, oh man, I would say the best way to recognize Ableism is just noticing that each person has a different perception on life and that shouldn't be considered something bad, kind of like what we were talking about before. But if, you know, there's nine intelligences, really cool to learn about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I get all, all <laughs> but there really is. So yeah. some people learn a lot better visually. You can talk to like a group of college students and be like, hey, what's the best way for you to learn? Some people are like, oh my gosh, I love drawing graphs. <laughs> or, oh, hey, like, let's just talk about it. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, you know, let's just talk about it. Let's have these study sessions. It's so fun. Um, and other people are like, hey, I like to build things. I like to like kinesthetically learn. That's, mm-hmm. you know, kinesthetic intelligence. The reason why I brought that up is because in a college setting, Everyone learns a little bit differently. Some people are amongst the, you know, the same and they all learn pretty, pretty similarly, but a lot of people have different perceptions and have different ways of learning. And I think the ways to like advert that 
is recognizing that people are different mm. along a huge spectrum. It's really not just one. There's a lot of invisible things that people go through that no one knows unless they tell them. Um, recognizing that and kind of moving past it, not ignoring it, but not labeling them that way. Be like, oh, well, they learn this way and this is how they study. So that's bad. Okay. You're probably still going to get the same grade. Mm -hmm. Like, like, really, <laughs> you, can, you can end up with like a 95 and just learn differently. And, yeah. and so I really think just recognizing, just acknowledging that and be like, okay, hey, you want to go to the CAF? Let's go do something. Like it really doesn't change your personality. It doesn't change any of that. And I love telling people about, you know, the way my brain works. It's really exciting because it's something I'm interested in. It's something I'm learning. Anyone who knows me knows I'm so passionate about the brain in general. And to be able to talk about myself from an inside perspective, I get excited to tell people because then they can better understand me. So so really just being open to hearing people's stories and open to hearing how they perceive the world, accepting it and moving on mm. is, to, is, I think, the best way to avert it yeah. is to not make it such a big deal. It, it really isn't mm -hmm. unless you make it a big deal. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's <laughs> like if I make it a big deal then that's a different story, but I'm not going to, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's what I have to say about yeah. that, you know? So yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks, Aviana, for that insight. <laughs> I think the best advice I would have for recognizing ableism and disability is first educate yourself about it or have someone else with a disability or that teaches disability courses educate you about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, really like remember these points we're saying in the mm -hmm. podcast and really try to uh, use this information and recognize that people have a disability or they may have a disability even if you can't see or hear it yeah. and uh we can teach people about person-first language and what ableism is. And like, once we can get what ableism is and once we understand it, then we're able to, I think, call it out and like kind of avert it and stop it from happening. And another important point I feel like it's worth mentioning, like, I know we talk a lot about person-first language, but when you get to, like, really know someone on a personal level, they may say, oh, I prefer that you use disability-first language simply because they're, they, they feel like their disability is an integral part of who they are, mm -hmm. and so, I'd encourage you to like ask them straight up like do you prefer people first language or mm -hmm. disability first language because to some they may say disability first because it's a crucial part of my identity and without it I don't know if I would be the same person. Mm -hmm. Um, that I am today. So uh, that's one other important part that I wanted to mention. Oh, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, mm -hmm. thank you. That's 
That's so interesting. Um, and I think you're right. I think even if you don't even fully understand what that means, ask them, like ask them, wait, what does this mean? So then how can I aid in that? Right. So being able to first even ask the question of like, what does that even look like? Or what does that mean? Um, is so important. Thank you guys. This has been such a good conversation. I think such a needed conversation to have. Um, and hopefully, well, we will, we're going to keep having these conversations. I know you guys will, um, in terms of your student leadership on this campus and things like that. Um, but before we go, um, is there anything that you guys want to promote, um, let people know about anything like that? The floor is yours. Yeah. Well, thank you. First of all, thank you guys so much for listening to us. Really appreciate to, you know, have our voices heard and all that and hope you guys enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, I'm the president of our, of our club and honor society in the mosaic called Delta of a pie. Um, and I would love if any of you would like to come to our game night, it's next Thursday. So the 24th of September, we have, you know, what the biweekly is what the term is, right? For when yes. it's every other week, biweekly, we have biweekly meetings. So every other Thursday we have it around the 730. And uh, this week, like I said, is is game night. And last week we had a great conversation. You know, I wish we recorded it. Did we record it? Hopefully we can get it out there. It was it was really an amazing time. I was, you know, pleasantly surprised with with how it turned out. Our our meeting went like an hour and a half, and we didn't mm-hmm. even realize we were talking about tips and tricks for navigating college with a disability, without a disability. It really was, you know, inclusive to anyone. Yeah. And I loved having you know some freshmen there and answering questions I felt like so like just it it made it warmed my heart to like you know help them out in certain ways and and feel that leadership to be able to influence people in a positive way and give them advice in the best way that I can and Bradley helped out a lot too and we had some upperclassmen really just you know give give some good two cents so you know look forward to some testimonies we'll have I think Bradley's going to do a testimony next time but this next week uh, the 24th of September at 7.30, you guys can come to our game night. Everyone's welcome. Perfect. So. Awesome. And they can find you guys on Instagram at? Uh, P-L-N-U underscore Delta Alpha Pi, all one word. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thanks, you guys. I'm sure we're going to hear more from you in the future. And then I just wanted to mention one more thing. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, so I really challenge, uh, people to really educate themselves about people first language and about disability and ableism in general so that they can start interacting and talking to people with or without disabilities on a personal level and start educating others. And also treating people like a normal human being so to speak in the sense that like everyone's different and everyone has has a different way they learn or they do life and um, again if you want to learn more about disability or ableism in general come out to our club meeting and uh we'll see you there it's so fun (laughs) it really is i don't even think i need to wrap up after that awesome (laughs) thanks guys thank you 
Thank you for listening to our podcast and for supporting us. And stay tuned for when we come back in two weeks as we bring back Henrik Din and Fernanda Viana about international students' experience in America. They'll share the realities of studying in the United States and their personal experiences on what it's like to be an international student. Until then, be sure to stay safe and we will see you soon. Take care. This podcast would not be made possible without the Office of Multicultural and International Student Services of Point Loma Nazarene University. This podcast was produced by Lauren Woods and Sam Quapong. It was written by Lauren Woods, Fernanda Viana, and Bella Passi. Research was done by Fernanda Viana. Today's podcast was produced and edited by Tyler Darlington and filmed by Kevin Langley.